Hey everybody, welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. It's good to have you here worshiping, filling this place up. It's good to have you worshiping online with us this hour. We know the church is is scattered all over the place, but we give this hour to worship the Lord. This is a house that lifts worship up to the Lord, amen? And he's worthy of praise. Wherever you are, lift worship to the Lord. We're continuing in our series, What Great Love, and um, I'm gonna be preaching from chapter four. Next week, we've got a new preacher up here on the stage. It's a guy named Jim DeJarnet. Anybody know Jim DeJarnet? And uh, he's our music minister in the sanctuary side. And Jim is, is uh, retiring after 39 years of serving the church here. So I asked him to come preach, close out the series uh, about uh, the, the great love of God. But today we're talking about what great love that God is love. And we want to look at 1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse 7, right down to 21. So if open your Bibles, navigate there. And as we open the scriptures together, let's not fail to open our hearts in prayer. Because, Lord, we pray, we pray today, right now, this hour, that everyone worshiping here in this room, that that each person taking time to worship you from wherever they are right now, that every one of us would know fully your great love for us, proven in Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. And the church said, amen. Amen. Verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in Him. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God lives in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother or sister. 
This is God's word. We're grateful. Amen? Amen. Who can guess what the theme of that passage is? Anybody? Anybody feeling confident? You want to just shout it out? The theme of that passage is? Yeah, you got it. Anytime you read 15 verses and one word appears 26 times, quick insider Bible tip for you. That's the theme. That's the theme. If you ever need to leave a Bible study, the word that appears twice in every verse you read. That's the, that's the theme. So we're talking about what great love, love. And today we're talking about that God is love. And we've been studying 1 John under this theme right up until now. And, and, and we've been wanting to memorize actually a verse out of 1 John. 1 John 3, 1. Let's say it again together, church. 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That's what we are. God's love changes us. It makes a difference in our lives. It transforms things. And we don't just want to know and understand God's love. We want to feel God's love. Because when we feel what we know, it really starts to change us and change our lives from the inside out. And we've learned along the way that love is not just a feeling, it's a call to action. So when we're, when we're called to love one another, to love our neighbor, it's not just an emotional state that we're measuring. We're not just testing our sentiments. No, it's a call to action. And we are committed to make self-sacrifice uh, acts of love for one another. And we've learned that love isn't just about emotions. And, and you know, it definitely isn't just about physical attraction, and sex. You know, the things we pick up about what love is in the world that we're living in, they are paper thin. We know that love is a lot more than that. And how do we know what love is? We, know, we look to Jesus who shows us love. Look at this, 1 John three sixteen. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Well, we've learned all that. Now we come to one of the biggest, boldest proclamations of Scripture. One of the most profound things, one of the most profound claims made in all of religion or philosophy. I mean that. Three words. God is love. God is love. Here's the main idea of our message this morning. Love is so central to God's character and identity. Love is so defining of God's purposes for us and for his world. Love is so essential to understanding the purpose of, of existence itself, of life itself, that John is bold to proclaim and even repeat, God is love. God is love. You, know, you throw a rock into a, a pool of water, it makes ripples, right? When you make a claim like God is love, it sets off a cosmic explosion of waves of nuclear energy that emanate through all that is. Don't believe me? 
I wanna show you five ways that the claim God is love changes everything. Five ways that God's love changes everything and reaches us. Number one, we're gonna talk about there's love within God. Number two, there's love that reaches within us. Number three, there is love in the church. Number four, there's love for neighbor. Number five, there's love for the world. And all of these like concentric circles, like blast waves, they come out of this one claim, God is love. Number one, love within God. Verse seven, dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from where? From God. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Friends, let us love one another. Let us love one another. Christians, love is our ethic. Love is our characteristic. Love is, is our defining method of figuring out how to live life together. It's got to govern all of our actions. It's got to measure all of our decisions. Love has got to be the, the measure of all of our outcomes and our motivations. Love, love, let us love one another. It's at the heart of the Christian life is love. Why? Because love comes from God. It comes out of God. It originates in God. God is the originator, the author, the source, the beginning of love. And everybody who loves is born of God. Why? Because God is the, is the origin, the genesis of what love is. Love comes from God. What is at the very um, root of the universe? Get philosophical with me, okay? What is at the very core? What, uh, what is it that holds together the existential web of being? <laughs> I mean, what, what's keeping it all, uh, 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 the fabric of our existence, what's keeping it all together? What's there at the core? What's there? What's there? I grew up in uh, that era where we had um, serial horror movies. You know what I'm talking about? Serial horror movie. Like you didn't just get part one, right? You know, some horrible thing happened and whew, glad that's over with. Part two comes along, you know? And then part three, part four, part five, part six. I mean, how many parts, you know? And they kill the guy every time. But I started to think, you know, maybe they're just trying to make money off of us. Do you think that could be it? I'm not sure this is a genuine artistic expression. But... But here's what, they, what those horror movies would do. Here's how those, how's those horror movies that I grew up with, here's how they worked. Something entered into life that threatened the base, that threatened the existential fabric, the existential fabric that was fundamentally good and comfortable. And something came in and threatened it, and that terrorized us, and we had to deal with it, right? Well, now, I don't know if you watch some of these uh, horror movies today, dystopic fantasies and but they terrorize you in a different way. They ask the fundamental question, what if, what if there is no fabric? What if there's nothing that holds us together? What if you get to the very core, the very secret center of all that is, and you get there and you find there's nothing? Nihilism. What if? What if? this scripture claims and what Christians proclaim is that when you get to the core, 
Life isn't empty and it isn't void. When you get to the very center, the fabric of existence, God is there. God is there. And God is love. That's what's at the core. Verse 8, whoever does not love does not know God because, because why? Read it together, church. God is love. God is love. Can you take that in? Can you proclaim that? God is love. You know, the world needs to hear it. God is love. You know, and this is different from saying, okay, this is different from saying love is God. See, we don't say love is God. We say God is love. And you can't exchange those. I'm just going to have to say this and just let it sit out there. You're going to have to think about it, roll it around in your mind and maybe talk about it in a life group. But I'm just going to say this and let it sit. Listen, the world says love is God. And then it equates love with sex. Meaning, sex is God, which is idolatry. Worship of a false God. I'm just going to leave that sit. You just have to take, it'd be a great topic for brunch. You just take that up (laughs) and just see where it takes you. (laughs) But I believe that a great deal of the pain and confusion that we are living out in our society is due to the spiritual darkness of that idolatry. We don't say love is God. But we say God is love because God has revealed himself to us. And what do we know about God? God is Father, God is Son, God is Holy Spirit. We call it the Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God in an eternal community of divine love. Now follow along with this, okay? For love to exist, there has to be one who gives love, one who receives love, yes? So you've got to have someone who's the lover, someone who's the beloved. Now for perfect and divine love to exist, well then that love, it has to be the one who loves has to love perfectly, fully, completely. And the one who is loved has to be perfectly and fully worthy and and receiving of that love. There has to be a perfect lover and a perfect beloved. Listen, the father loves. The son is the beloved. And their love is is perfect in between them. And the perfect love that's between them, friends, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Because that has to be perfect and divine. And so you have the three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This is who God is. A divine community of perfect love. And they're perfectly satisfied. They're perfectly fulfilled. They're perfectly loving one another. Perfectly being loved forever and ever and ever. That's who God is. And that is what is at the very base, very core of everything that exists. God and his love. God and his love. Now, out of that, which is the center of the universe, like like a finger stirring in a pool, out come waves, waves of God's love. And the first wave is that love hits you hits you, love within us, into the perfect community of divine love, God invites you, God invites me, wayward sinner, 
lost land. God has resolved to pull you in to the community of divine and perfect love. Remember from the first week, maybe, 1 John 1 at verse 3, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. That's what this letter is about. So that you also may have, what's that word, church? Fellowship. Fellowship with us. And what kind of fellowship do we have? With the fellowship that we have, we're proclaiming this to you so you can have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We've been pulled into the divine community of love, the perfect community of divine love. We've been pulled into it. And we want to tell you about it, and that's why we're writing. We write this to make our joy complete, that God has resolved to pull you out of death and into life, to pull you out of loneliness and despair and into the perfect community of divine love. There's love in us that God pours out. The second wave is the love of God pulling you into his community. Back to our passage, verse nine. This is how God showed his love among us He sent his one and only son into the world so that we might, so that we might, what's that word, church? That we might live, thank you. So that we might live through him. God resolved to include you in the divine community, the, the perfect community of divine love. And that meant sending his son Why? Well, it tells us right there in that verse. He sent his son that we might live. Church, we are not living people waiting to die. We are dying people to whom God has sent a way to live. And that way is his son, Jesus Christ, extended from the community of divine perfect love. That way is his son, Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And he is the right arm of God, the arm of salvation, extended into your very heart to pull you into a divine community of love. It's Jesus Christ. He is the way of life. And he is our salvation. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. This is love, it says, verse 10, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That word atoning, you could underline that in your Bible, you could highlight it. It's very specific. There's a specific problem that requires a specific solution, a specific illness, a sickness unto death that requires a specific cure. There's a specific poison that needs a specific antidote. And what it is, is the atoning work of Jesus Christ. God has resolved to pull you into the community of divine love. And he, he's, he's got to do that by sending his son. Why? Because he can't pull you into that community when you're living out your sinfulness, when you're living in your sins, when you're weighed down by the burden and shame of the mistakes that you've made and the things that you've done wrong and your, your absolute rebellion against the love of God that you've participated in. 
And so Jesus comes, God sends his son, and Jesus takes on flesh, and he bears in himself our sins, our transgressions, and he takes them to the cross where he dies, and he pays a penalty. That's atonement, a payment made on someone else's behalf. And the atoning work of Christ is a payment made to pay off a debt in our relationship with God that we could not pay. And when Christ was raised from the dead, God said all has been forgiven and the promise is made certain and all who call in the name of Jesus Christ, you will not die, but you will live and you'll live within the community of divine and perfect love. Atonement. That's how you and I get included in this love. There's love within God and there's love that reaches you. Third, there's love in the church. Do you believe that? I hope you do. Dear friends, verse 11, since God so loved us, we also ought to love who? One another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love who? One another. Get used to saying that. God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. What does God want you to do with all this love he's pouring into your life? His love, is, it's, it's shed abroad by his Holy Spirit. He pours out his love in you. You know what God wants you to do? As that love pours into you, God wants you to love sideways. He wants you to love sideways. In front and back, the people that are on your right, that are on your left, that are in front of you, behind you. He wants you to figure out how to love those people around you. We've got to love one another. Friends, there is love in the church. There is love in the community of faith. And I don't know what your history with church is. Maybe there's times where you have felt like church has done you wrong, where you've had a bad experience with church. But we want to proclaim. We want to recognize that, but we still want to proclaim that there is a love in the church that is unique, it's divine, it's supernatural. It's not sourced in human emotions and sentiments and, 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 and our kind of predilections towards one another and our, our common affection for people we like because we're like them. No, there's a love that God builds in a supernatural community of faith and there's nothing like it in the world. There's love in the church. It's the body of Christ. As God was once present, in the incarnation of his son Jesus, now his presence and his character are made known by his body, the church, you and I. And it's conveyed and made evident by how we love one another. That's what Jesus said right after he washed the disciples' feet. John 13, a new command I give you. Love who? One another. As I loved you, so you must... Come on, you getting it? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you... You've got to love one another. It's not like secondary. It's not accidental. It's not some add-on. It's critical to the mission of declaring to this world the character and the love that God has, who God is. We've got to love one another. And this is in church business. John, he's, he's talking about this is in church business, okay? How we love one another in the church puts Christ on display in the world. Love one another. Now, it's important to say that love is not a doormat. And, and, and love in Christian community, it has more dimensions to it than simple, warm and loving uh, affection and acceptance. Love in Christian community it's thicker than that. Love in Christian community, it actually includes challenge. 
Can you accept challenge with love? Love in Christian community, it actually includes correction. Love in Christian community, uh, it includes discipline even and, and mutual accountability to the table rules of being the family of God. But how we learn how to love one another, it puts the love of Christ on display for the world. John Stott wrote, God is love in his essential being and has revealed his love in the gift of his son to live and die for us. Now he calls us to be a community of love, loving each other in the intimacy of his family, especially across barriers of age and sex, race and rank, and loving the world he loves in its alienation, hunger, poverty, and pain. It's through the quality of our loving that God makes himself visible today. You see, they will know we are Christians by our love, by our, come on, you used to sing it, by our love. They will know we are Christians by our love. We've got to love one another. But all that energy that John spends talking to the community of faith about loving one another, he does all that and he never loses the neighbor in his perspective. The next wave of love is that love for neighbor, number four. We've got to love each other, but never without, never while losing the neighbor. The neighbor is always in view. Neighbor love is key to Christian life. I mean, there's no greater commandment than these. Love God and love neighbor. And so we've got to know that the love of God that emanates from the Trinity and it impacts our souls and it fills up our church, it doesn't stop there. It overflows into or or at least up against neighbor, the other, who's far from, from God, sometimes darkened spiritually, doesn't understand why we are the way that we are. The word here is testify. Look at verse 14. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. We testify. We testify. What does a witness do? A witness testifies to what he or she has seen and heard and experienced. If you have seen and heard and experienced the love of God in Jesus Christ, you've got to find a way to testify. Your neighbor needs to know it. Number five, love for the world. See, finally, this love spills all the way out into the world God made. The disobedient, broken, confused, angry, hostile world. If you study John's writings, you see he uses that word world. More often than not, he uses it to describe a an angry and hostile force that is against us and against God, doesn't he? I mean, the things that John writes, he's like, if the world hates you, (laughs) that just makes sense. You know why? Because the world stinks. They hate everything that God loves. The world loves darkness, hates the light. The world loves disobedience, hates following in God's ways. The world is a terrible place. It's a horrible place for believers. The world killed Jesus. That's the world. The world is horrible. And so that's why it's so surprising and shocking that under John's pen, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we get some of the most profound proclamations of God's love for that hostile world that you'll ever read. John 3, 
16. Say it with me, church. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish and have eternal life. God loves that world, even in its hostility and in its anger. And so we've got to let the love of God overflow all the way into the world. And how do we do that? John says you do that by being like Jesus. Look at this, verse 17. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. We're like Jesus in this world. There's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I want you to see today all that, that fear talk that comes under. In this world, we are like Jesus. Jesus wasn't afraid. It's a scary thing to be like Jesus in a hostile world that hates the ways of God. It's a scary thing. Jesus wasn't afraid. Why? Because perfect love casts out fear. If you're afraid, you're worried about punishment. Jesus took the punishment. He's been punished so you could walk free. He died so that you could live. He paid the debt so that you could be redeemed. Jesus wasn't afraid. What do you fear? What are you afraid of? What are you letting terrorize you? Listen. Anne Voskamp said, all fear is but the notion that God's love ends. What are you afraid of? God's love doesn't end. It never ends. And it will never change. And it is for you and it is complete. God's love is at the core of all that is, at the middle of the universe, at the very base of everything that exists. There is one everlasting truth. God is love and his love for you doesn't end and no matter how confusing how difficult how conflictual how how awful how stressful your life gets do not lose track of this fundamental truth god is love and his love for you will never end and from this divine community of perfect love and eternal love with one another god has reached out in his son jesus christ to pull you into everlasting fellowship and communion with him to pull you out of death and into life out of despair and into joy out of loneliness and into a divine community of perfect love he's done it in Jesus let the love of God pour into you as we come to this table we're going to take we're going to eat we're going to drink let the love of Jesus pour into your life and pour out into your church into your neighbor's life into the world world God loves for God is love Lord Jesus help us to drop all our fears to know that at the core life is not empty that at the core is your love a never ending love for us Help us to live into that. Help us to show it to the world in a way that they can understand it. Help us. Help us, Lord, to proclaim with all that we are that, God, you are love. 
capture us in the love of your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprezcos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.